Hey, I'm Bex, and this is Fun Kids Meet, the podcast where we meet your heroes. This week, I caught up with presenter and author Dermot O'Leary. We spoke all about his new book, Wings of Glory, and why he chose to write about animals in the Second World War. All right, we are joined by a friend of the show, presenter and author Dermot O'Leary. Yeah, Dermot, how are you doing? Hello. Oh, I'm tip top. How are you? It's been a long time, man. Um, and you've been a busy man. You've brought us a new book. Just thinking that. When's the last time I spoke to you? It's been, it's been over a year. I was thinking you were avoiding me, to be honest. <laughs> After that last interview? Yeah. Ah, I'm never going back. Done. Done and done. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I've, I've, yeah, I've loved doing this book. It's, it's been a... Where are we now? I probably finished it at the start of the year. Right. And then you sort of send it off and there's loads of questions come back. Like, why have you done this? Uh, <laughs> is this true? Is this historically accurate? Uh, but um, uh, yeah, I love every every stage of it, to be honest with you. It's such an enjoyable thing to do. So if the listeners don't know, we've gone from cats to birds. Uh, you love an animal. And this is Wings of Glory, which I... Well, let's go back to it then. Is it historically accurate, Dermot? How much of this have you researched properly? Uh, no. Uh, during the Second World War, what a lot of people don't know is that the animals were fighting on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And uh, with... with some notable exceptions. And we had a prime minister. So whilst Winston Churchill was in charge, the animal prime minister was Sir Bertie Bulldog. Yeah. And um, Bertie Bulldog signed an official secrets act. They didn't want any uh, records to be disclosed up until now about Linus the Swift and Linus's incredible actions during the Battle of Britain when he signed up for the Royal Bird Force. So the story is, true story, yeah. uh, that Linus the Bird and his sister, Linus the Swift and his sister Ava, uh, were born in Kent and then they migrated down to sub-Saharan Africa. And then during the war, the call went out for all birds of a flying age and uh, especially speedsters. And the swift is one of the speediest birds there is to come back and fight on the front line to harass the uh, German enemy planes coming over um, by any means necessary. But basically the mantra of the Royal Bird Force was in poo we trust. So the idea is uh, they have to poo, use their poo as much as they can on the enemy windshields, on the planes, the planes then get distracted and then the actual human RAF can come and, uh, and mop up uh, after all their hard work. So Linus signs up for the uh, to, to be in the Royal Bird Force, but when he gets here, He's just he's desperate. He wants to fight on the front line because he's a swift and they're the fastest birds. But equally fast are the peregrine falcons. Uh, and so he wants to fight in the squadron of peregrine falcons, but they won't have him because he's not um, a kind of blue blood because the peregrines are very much considered the, you know, the, the, the proper flying boys and girls. So Linus ends up in a squadron with uh, a magpie who steals everything, sure. uh, an owl who won't get out of bed before eight in the, uh, in the evening. Uh, so he ends up in this raggletag squadron, but somehow, he he ends up being pivotal with, to world history. Well, should we just stop the interview there? Should we just done? Done, I'm done. <laughs> I do feel like I've actually just told you probably a bit too much. No, but, I love it. Um, no, that was that was such such a cracking summary of the book because yeah, we meet Linus the Swift, uh, him and his sister Ava. They go off to the UK to try and fight for country and king and country, and um, and yeah, it, Linus is so excited and also like you say, he's a very quick bird, right? And at first, people don't take him seriously. Yeah, he's he's almost too quick. And also he's very young and he's very raw. And all he wants to do is is come over and, and, and fly with the peregrine falcons. And of course, he isn't a peregrine. And so he can't do what they do, but also they can't do what he do. Uh, he does. So uh, I I love that about it. Like I love my birds. I've always loved, I've always been a sort of keen bird watcher. And uh, my best friend Joe, my oldest friend Joe, is he got me into birds when I was about eleven, and I've always loved them ever since. So 
you know, writing for the books about Toto was wonderful. And I love the fact that to create a world where the animals have got their own transport system yeah. and government and police and all those sort of things is so interesting. And, and actually, so I, that's what was cool, almost my starting point. Because I, I, I was, not, I, yeah, I haven't finished my Toto books, but I thought, well, what, what else do I want to write about? And I love history, and the Second World War is sort of my, you know, my favourite part of history. But maybe I don't quite know why. I like the idea of ordinary people put in extraordinary circumstance, and I love the idea of it's quite recent history. So for me, my grandparents' generation would have been part of it. For a lot of your listeners, would be the great grandparents' generation. But you know, my father grew up. Yeah, in Ireland, but in the you know in the forties, so he grew up, you know, being aware of what was going on in the Second World War. So it's not that long ago, is my point. And yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of so it's kind of recent history and these incredible stories, you know, that that, that you can read about that that humans kind of, you know, this kind of normal everyday people suddenly put in life changing circumstance. I find that absolutely fascinating and we always ask the question what would I have done mm. and then I thought well I, I really enjoy writing for kids and and, and through the prism and, and the personification of it like animals so hey what I do that why don't I take my love of history and combine the two so it's kind of there will be actually echoes in the, in the books coming forward there'll be echoes of kind of of, of the people that went before Toto who worked for the government. So you tell us in the book, you mentioned a pilot as well called Ginger. Uh, was he real? Because I noticed at the back you kind of left a note. I did, yes. Yeah. So Ginger was based on, um, or, or really inspired by a lovely man I met a few years ago. I did a, I did a documentary about the Battle of Britain and uh, his name was Tom Neal, Tom Ginger Neal. And Tom, sadly, has passed away now, but he did live to a very ripe old age. He was well into his 90s. And I met him when he was about 94 and Tom was a very uh, sharp, uh, funny, warm, he was a fighter pilot. So he, he was, he was what you could, he was almost a triple ace, I think. So I think to be an ace, I believe I'm, I, I'm not an expert on this, but, you've, but you need to shut, shoot to shut down five planes. And then Tom was almost a triple ace. So it was almost that shut down 14, which, which, you know, I've been up in, I've had, I've had been lucky enough to be up in a spitfire and a hurricane. And let me tell you, when you're up in the air, the idea of flying it is hard enough and being in it is hard enough. The idea of, of trying to shoot someone else down and not get shot down yourself would be extraordinary. It was so, so hard. So Tom was this incredible pilot and he told me these wonderful, brilliant stories and, and, and quite sometimes quite scary and harrowing stories as well. And I spent this very magical summer with him in 2015. So I wanted to to pay a bit of homage to him. It is such a lovely bit in the book because every now and again, he pops up with his kind of remarks and his thoughts about what's happening. Because of course, from the human's point of view, like you say in the book, not all of the humans know that the birds and the animals are helping out. He must've been like, this is weird. Hardly any. There, hardly any uh, in the book that there's a, there's a like prime ministers, presidents, uh, heads of the army and the air force and the Navy and some royalty are told um, and they're sworn to secrecy. And if they betray that trust, then a squadron of pigeons is on standby to basically make their life hell in the only way pigeons can yeah. by pooing all their heads every single day. So that's the threat that hangs over them for the rest of their life. So the secret's kind of is safe with them. So not many people know. So whilst all these extraordinary things are happening to Ginger in in the book, all he thinks is, it's just luck or yeah. coincidence or fate or you know serendipity or something but actually in actual fact the birds are there doing a great job and 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 
saving him from many scrapes. I did love the pigeon bit because my uncle keeps pigeons. He races them. So um, he has a little pigeon loft at the bottom of his garden. So I, I feel an affinity with anybody who mentions pigeons. I used, when I was a kid, we used to have to take them on holiday with us. We'd have a basket yeah. of pigeons to take on holiday. Uh, and I thought that's what everybody took on holiday with them until I was like surprisingly old. I just thought that was a thing everyone did. How old? Like, I want to say 11, which feels too old to not realize that you don't take pigeons on holiday. <laughs> Just a bit too old, you know. I love to see that conversation at school. So you are you taking your pigeons to France with you and your friends like, what are you talking about? You know, toothbrush, toothpaste, pigeons. <laughs> like th- that basket was in our cart all the time. That's so funny and so sweet. Yeah, I'm really glad that you um that you put pigeons in there because like I say, I do feel an affinity with them. And and Linus is such a fun character because he's like he's like you say, he's young, he's quick, he's enthusiastic, and I don't want to spoil it, but like he's he's worthy of um a lot of accolades, I would say. Yeah, he is, and he's a lovely character, and he's a you know, he's kind of he's like Toto, he's he's absolutely his heart's in the right place and he's central to your storyline. And when you've got your your lead is when you write a book, I'm sure a lot of your listeners write and have great ideas for stories. And where I tend to find the lead is kind of obviously the spine of the of, of, of the book and the story. But it's quite often your peripheral characters are almost more fun to write, like your baddies yeah, or sure. your comedy characters, you know, because they just give you, like in the Toto books, I love writing for Archduke Ferdy Cat. Like he's, <laughs> in many ways, he's one of my favourite characters. It's like Toto's sworn enemy. But as the books have evolved... Toto's realised that all he wants to do is run the world. He doesn't really, he's not particularly evil as such. He's just, he wants to, you know, he's quite stressed by the fact that humans run the world and he thinks he can do a better job. Just want some power. He just thinks that the animals would do a better job than humans are running the world. <laughs> and to be honest, a lot of a lot of Toto's friends and Toto uh, included kind of agree with him, but it's just they can't they can't they can't abide that. But how he goes about it. So similarly in this in this book, you know, like I said, this is the first one, so the, so the characters haven't haven't evolved. I think the next book will be different characters, but a similar world, and there might be a little bit of crossover. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's amazing. So something to look out for where you've got like Easter eggs from the first book in the second one. Yes, exactly that, yeah. Now, I did, I'm not going to lie to you, I've made up a silly game and I wondered whether you'd play it with me. Of course, the answer is yes. Thank you. It was uh, inspired by your book. It's called, I mean, bear with me on this. It's called Taylor Swift or A Swift Tale. I'm going to give you a fact and you have to tell me whether it's about Taylor Swift, a Swift or both. Are you okay with this? Hang on, what? This... I'm okay with it, right? It's the both I'm, fi- I'm, fi- I'm now excited about. Okay. Okay, well, well okay, first up, um, this is pretty easy. We'll ease you in gently. What has tiny feet and almost no legs? Is it Taylor Swift or a Swift or both? Tiny feet and almost <laughs> Well, I mean, with the greatest respect to Taylor, mm-hmm. I believe she does have feet and she definitely has legs. So let's go with the bird of swift congratulations you see there you go it's as easy as that yes. yeah well done um this one might be a bit trickier um known to spend several months of the year in britain <laughs> that's both yeah it's both <laughs> okay you're getting it now all right lovely stuff very good okay often flies at 552 miles per hour this is a bit trickier i think that's taylor swift because i don't think that Swift can fly that fast. It is indeed Taylor Swift because she has her own Falcon 900 private jet. There you go. I'm doing, doing my research on Taylor Swift. Well, I knew, I knew Swift can fly fast, but I was like, I don't think they can fly at 500 miles an hour. 
properly going for it. Who spends a lot of time living around trees? Is it Swifts, Taylor Swift, or both? I'm going to say Taylor Swift because Swifts spend almost all of their time up in the air catching insects. They fly on the wing. So, I mean, I've taken a bit of artistic license in the book, like they land, but they don't really land. So I would say, unless the Swifts would be flying around to catch insects, I'm going to go Taylor Swift. You know what? I would have taken very many answers for that one, but I'm going to give you that one because Taylor Swift grew up on a Christmas tree farm. So yeah, she spent a lot of time around trees. But you're right. Swifts have a lot on the wing. Uh, they they do. They often are known to be like nesting in trees. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that. So it's going pretty well for you, Dermot. This is the last one. What rarely touches the ground? Is it Swifts, Taylor Swift, or both? And I will take physical and metaphorical interpretations of this. I mean, I'd say both, for the simple reason that Taylor Swift is everywhere, and so therefore she's you know her feet never touches the ground. That's a kind of saying and swift definitely really ever touch the ground because like we just said they spend so much of their time as high up and sometimes they go into france even when they're here if they dinner if they can't catch their dinner and the conditions are wrong they might even fly up to northern france but that's sometimes when you see them when the, the pressure is like low pressure so there's clouds you see them come down, right down but sometimes they can be so high up so uh when the weather's good so Let's go both. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I, I love that answer. That was the one I wanted you to give was that technically both of them do. Also, I love the idea of flying to France for my dinner. How delightful that would be. Dermot, you passed my test I with know. flying colours. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for playing my game and telling me all about your brand new book. Wings of Glory, by the way, is out the 15th of September. Is that right? Yeah, 14th, 14th, I think. Mid-September. Let's just call it mid-September. Give or take a day. People can pre-prepare for it. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant, Dermot. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. That was Dermot O'Leary. I love chatting to him about Wings of Glory. He's one of my favourite guests ever at Fun Kids. Remember, if you love this podcast, you can listen to Bookworms for all of the news about the best book releases and interviews with some of your favourite authors as well. I'm James Stewart, and in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts.